Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. We've been talking about this, just this idea of overcoming loneliness and isolation by having the Word of God planted and rooted in our hearts. You know, we, we, we go through this process of being beat up by the world, some more than others, and, and you know, we, we become hardened. We become calloused. We put these barriers and walls in our hearts, and we don't let people in, and ultimately we don't let God in. And then we find ourselves in a place of loneliness, and we feel, you know, I just, I don't... You know, that's where you get to a place where you say things like, well, you know, I, I like people. I just seem to feel better when they're not around. <laughs> I've heard preachers say that. I love the ministry. I just don't like people. I'm like, really? You're in a, you, need to, you need to repent. Something wrong with you. <clears throat> but you then discover God loves you. You know, I mean, it's the simplest evangelistic message. God loves you. But if you really then let that explain every aspect of what Jesus did for you and you really fully understand the death, burial, and resurrection and him passing into the heavens and offering his blood and turning to you and exchanging his eternal life with your death and bringing you into reconciliation and making you a new creature, man, then you really fully understand, God loves me. It's not just... You know, my little child, God loves you. No, he died for you. He dove into your darkness. He dove into your sin and became your sin and lives within you. But it's such a paradox because you won't experience the benefit of that or the strength of that relationship unless you learn how to connect with him in your heart and live from that place. Everything is birthed out of that. Everything is born out of that. So we've kind of been going through this process over the last couple of weeks. And really, if you're here at any period of time, all our homework usually kind of surround, you know, circles around the idea of just get the truth of God in your heart to the point that it bears fruit and it starts to transform you. And it's effortless and it's easier than you think. And the way you've been trying to do it your entire life, you look, at, you look around and think, what have I been doing? Uh, you know, it's not like we've got it all figured out, but you know what I'm saying. Truth is not something that you're supposed to live up to. It's, it's something you're supposed to yield to, and it will bear fruit in your life. Does that make sense? So flip over to Matthew 13. You know, usually when I talk about the heart, I go into Mark 4. Mark 4 is a good place to do it, but... I want to look at Matthew 13 uh, for a couple specific reasons. It's a little more condensed in the way that it describes this parable, and then it follows it up with where I want to go today. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, have you ever read Scripture, especially Jesus, and it's like he teaches one thing, and then he jumps to starts talking about birds and vines and stuff, and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? I don't understand. Why? You ever felt that? Have you ever felt like that? I don't really. You're trying to figure out, okay, where are you going with this? And this is one of those areas where it could be that way, but I think there's an element to understand, and when you do, it ties this whole chapter together, and it's just, it's really amazing. See, the world is in the condition that it's in because of us. 
the state of the world is a reflection of the condition of the heart of man. You know what I mean? Some people walk in the theology that God's in control. Everything's part of his plan. Everything's this. Every, you know, God's just, it's all ordained, predestined by him. Man, if that's true, I don't want to serve that God. Look at, look at Africa. Look at, look at what just happened in Nepal. I mean, almost a thousand people died in that earthquake or volcano eruption that was after the earthquake. My goodness, you know, prayers for those people. Father, we, we just speak life over that area. We speak comfort over that area, Lord. Thank you that your spirit is alive and well. You were warning those people. You were speaking to those people. And now you're there to help them move on, move forward. And, 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 and this is an opportunity for them to just turn their hearts towards you. Peace to that area, Lord. And, you know, and your heart just breaks. But that's not God. That's not what God wants. God created this world and it was perfect. And it was good. Not volcano eruptions to kill a thousand people. That's, our, that's, that's sin. And I'm not saying that that's God's judgment on that place because of sin. I'm saying that's the fruition of sin that we introduced from the beginning. You know what I mean? So it's up to us to change it. Because those of us that are believers, we carry the transformative power and presence of God within us. We carry the kingdom within us. Jesus said, my kingdom doesn't come with outward observation. My kingdom is in you. It's in your mouth. Speak it out. The amen of all the promises is spoken by us. So then we hear that, and it's like, okay, now I'm going I'm to take the land. I'm going to... You know, and, and it reminds me of the passage of this mindset that we flip into, that the, that the violent take it by force, as if that's a good thing. As if we're supposed to aggressively pursue and advance and establish and all the stuff that we do in charismatic circles with the kingdom. Are you with me? Because where I'm going with this is to show us how to actually experience kingdom living in this earth, not by force, but by following His Spirit. See, because... If you take responsibility for the idea that, okay, yes, God has given mankind dominion over this place. Yes, God has made me as righteous as Jesus is because he's given me that righteousness in his blood. He's set me in this world as an ambassador of him to carry his gospel and go into this world and preach reconciliation. God's not holding your sin against you. Be reconciled. Then we kind of get this bug in our ear about the kingdom. You know, then, we're, then we're like, okay, if I, see, see now if I was God, this is the way I do it. That's the mentality that we flip into, right? So we start telling God what needs to happen. So then it's like, okay, well, here's a nice idea. Let's take over politics. Let's take over Hollywood. Let's take over business. Let's take over family. As if you can violently impose the kingdom onto this planet. You know what I'm saying? As if you can jump into a broken structure reshape that structure through carnal means and call it kingdom, but it's still carnal. It's still using a broken system to try to have this world experience the kingdom of God. Are you, are you with me? You know, this is hitting with some of you. Some of you may have heard some of these kinds of teachings and stuff, but, but man, I, 
it's by His Spirit. It's by connecting with Him in our hearts. And as we experience His life and kingdom, fruit is born into this dimension that then the rest of the world gets to experience. And even this world responds to us. So, God gives us a new heart when we're born again. The heart is interesting. The heart is, you know what, Nathan, would you find that slide? It's got the diagram of the heart. This is just one way to kind of um, display the ideas of the heart, how it is presented biblically. You get a new heart when you're born again. And the heart is described in different capacities. It's described with the physical capacity, like the actual physical heart. Then a little bit deeper, it's described as the soul, in the soulish realm. And then other parts of your heart sound spiritual. So don't get too caught up, because anytime you try to define spirituality, you lose the essence of it. So this is just one way to kind of get your mind jogging, you know. The heart is much like the brain in that the brain processes what's going on between your soul and your physical body, right? You have five external senses out here, outside your body. These five senses impose and, and dictate to your body what's happening. You receive this, whether it be good or bad, it comes to you from this world. And your five senses process anything that comes to you from this created physical dimension. And it goes, your body perceives it. It affects you in such a way where it produces thoughts, it produces reactions, it produces emotions. But physically what happens is your brain takes the stimulus from this world, biochemically processes it so that your body then feels it, and you, you then experience that in your soul, right? You experience you win the lottery, you get a raise, you experience heartache, divorce, abuse. Something happens out here, it happens to you, your brain physically processes this and then it turns into emotions and thoughts and feelings. You know, emotions are those temporary things. Those feelings are deep down within you, how you kind of where you live within your soul, what you typically feel, you know. But your heart is in this dimension and realm too, and the heart is where you believe. Your beliefs are in your heart area. Romans or yeah, it says, um, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. So we see that the heart has the capacity to believe. In fact, you believe from your heart. Anything that you believe that, that is a core belief of what you believe about God, about yourself, or anything, it's in your heart. Your heart is where you believe. So then you hear passages, above all else, guard your heart, because out of your heart, flow all the issues of life. Everything that you believe comes from your heart and it will go through your soul, your brain will process it, and then you will live it out. See, the, the path that we want to do is figure out how to live from here outward rather than living from out here toward here. See, because the other facet is your heart is connected to your spirit in some way, you know, again, we're not trying to fine point the definition, but your heart is described as somewhat spiritual. You're given a new heart when you're born again. You're given a new capacity to believe. 
You're given a new definition of the kind of being that you are. Your spirit is made new. He puts his spirit within you. He joins his spirit with yours. He seals you with his spirit. You know, there's all these different things that describes about what happens to your spirit. Some would even say that you're, you don't really have a spirit, that we're soul, soulish beings. But then when we receive the gift of eternal life, that's when the spirit of God takes up residence within you. You know, I, I really can't define all that. There's just different ideas. You pick which one sounds all right with you and, you know, land there. But what we know is as born-again believers, we're one with God because Jesus prayed that. I pray that they be one as we're one. Father, you in me, I in them, we in you. And it's just this big circle, and you can't separate Jesus from God, from you, from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. That's you. That's who you really are. That's your eternal being, what you are in your spirit. But your heart is connected to this place. See, your heart is the gateway to the kingdom of God. You know, in Psalm where it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, you everlasting doors, and the Spirit of the Lord will come in. That's how God comes into your life, through your heart. See, we think God's out here, and we're trying to live toward Him. And we're trying to get Him to come to us. No, He's in you. He's bonded himself to you. You are one with him. But he's, this heart is kind of like a governor. You know what a governor is? You know, like, like something that regulates how much gasoline can go through an engine. So it regulates the speed or, or even like on a golf cart or something. It, it's a limiter. Your heart is in this process. And you've heard me teach on this. And again, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping up this series. So I'm going to kind of throw a bunch of concepts into the pot here but we're going to end on a really clear spot. Your heart is kind of in this rabbinical process of binding and loosing according to the authority of the kingdom that Jesus has given you. Now, I know that's a big mouthful right there. But, you know, rabbis would turn to their followers and they would say, I give you the keys to the kingdom. And that would, or I give you the keys. And they would put them in the place where they could bind and loose. Binding and loosing was interpreting scripture and teaching and coming up with their own yoke and set of teachings. So the process of binding and loosing was not tying up demons and throwing them into the deep pit. It was interpreting and, and teaching. We do this process. See, we've got the keys to the kingdom. The authority that Jesus has has been given to us and in your spirit you have a voice in heaven. You have an advocate with the Father. You are a joint heir with Christ. You have been raised and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's not locationally. That's authoritatively. Author Is that the right word, authoritatively? I don't know. Forgive me. D d are you following me? So, you rule and reign with Christ. You're a joint heir. You have been made a king and a priest. You know, all these things, they all point to the same thing. It's like we try to learn all these different things, but really there's only a couple of things that you need to learn and multiple ways of saying the same things. You're God's child. So he gives you this heart, this capacity to believe that is like the son's capacity to believe. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So, so we live in this capacity of the son's belief, the son's faith. So now, if we're not trying to get God to show up, and we've kind of realized as I experience the presence of God, it passes into this dimension and affects the world around me. I'm not trying to go into this system and impose something within this system so that then God will reign. No, the world will experience the kingdom of God as each and every individual believer experiences God. It will be the side effect. As each individual believer experiences the presence and the power of God, like having our own personal revivals, man, then you have the Spirit of God leading a body. Then you have the Spirit of God that's in charge, the King, ruling and reigning from the hearts of His people, and we move as one. Rather than we're all splintered in fraction because we're looking at this system as if we can rearrange this system to introduce the kingdom. No, that's not the way it works. So last week we read Psalm 1, and we talked about this idea that we're a man who meditates in the law day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water. The law back then is the Word of God, the revealed knowledge of God, the best way to live in this created world. That's kind of how you can look at the law. The law was never meant for righteousness. You could never keep the law to be good enough, especially good enough for eternal life. So the law is just the best way to live. So as we meditate in God's best way to live, which is what Jesus taught us, we become like trees planted by streams of living water. So here's how I see humans. You're like a tree planted in God. And your roots are deep from your heart into him and his spirit and you produce out of what's within you into this dimension you know it's like you are rooted in his kingdom your heart is rooted in his presence your heart is rooted hopefully in his love spiritually that is true so then the soulish area of your heart kind of has trouble getting that because it wants to then jump into the flesh and make things happen rather than letting that process continue to birth and yield. Now, watch this. this is, do you get that concept? Do you see yourself as a tree planted in that spiritual dimension and kingdom of God? And as, you, as your roots grow deeper, you then just bear the fruit of what you're planted in. But see, you have the possibility and the opportunity to have your heart planted in different things too or have other things planted in your heart. Worry, fear, doubt, lack, mentality. Anything that goes against what you are in your spirit can also be planted in your heart and it commingles. It's like the wheat and the tares grows together. Jesus, they said, gave a parable about the kingdom one time. He said, it's like the wheat and there's a man that went, there's a man that planted a field and he sowed good wheat. The enemy came and planted tares. A tear is, looks like wheat, but it's destructive to the wheat, and it doesn't bear fruit. It's a, it's a, it's a lie is what it is. It's a, lie, it's a copy of the real thing, and it destroys the real thing. So they asked him, they said, well, 
to the man who planted the field, should we go and pull out all these tares? And he said, no, let them all bear fruit and it will be evident of itself. Then you harvest the wheat, is basically what he says. So when you come to the realization of knowing you're one with God, and what you take your time to meditate on and allow to take root in your heart will bear fruit in your life. And so if you begin to recognize destruction, doubtful beliefs, all the different kinds of fruit that are against who you really are in your spirit, according to Jesus, you don't go and start digging and trying to tear it all up. You don't necessarily have to go in there and find out, okay, what's wrong with me? Where, where did it go wrong? Did this happen? What's all the bad? And, and so, because what you're doing is you're starting to tear up, pull up the tears, but you're going to ruin the wheat in the process. Or you're going to limit the wheat in the process. So yes, get counseling. Yes, get deliverance. But to the point where it nourishes the wheat, not where it's attacking the tares. Right. Amen? Amen. So now we live in this place where we are firmly, securely planted in God. He's given us this new heart that has His laws written within it, has His best way to live written within it. Your heart knows how to hear God. Your newly created heart knows how to follow God. But we throw other stuff in it and we allow that stuff to take root. And your life is a direct reflection of the condition of your heart. And the world is a direct reflection of the collective condition of the heart of mankind. But there's hope, man. I'm telling you, if believers would have personal revival. See, we don't need revival. As if some external thing is going to happen out here. And we're all going to run over there. And that's going to fix everything. Except that your heart's still messed up. You still don't really believe the truth. You're looking out here for God. See, as we experience that personal revival... A bunch of collective believers experience that together, and it'll change the world. I mean, Jesus did it with 12 people. We've got, what, 50 in here? 40? Man, we have the capacity to change our city, to change our state, as we experience and follow God. Now, yes, that does translate into external action. That does mean you get involved in business, you get involved in politics, you get involved in all these different realms, but not because you're going to go out there and ask God to come into that and make that thing change. It's like, you're, it's like you plug into it and then you just begin to let the life of God flow through you into that place. And it's not by force. It's because you show up and you let the presence of God bear fruit in your life. Now, I love this parable. Are you with me so far? The world will desire him and experience the transformative power of his kingdom as it increases by love through believers. These are a couple of statements I wrote here. The only action described now this is this is key and I, I didn't finish this thought but the only action described about our responsibility with God's kingdom is to allow it to increase you know you hear these terms we're gonna establish the kingdom we're gonna advance the kingdom we're gonna whatever with the kingdom no the kingdom is here and it will be experienced as we yield to it and let it 
bear fruit in our lives. I mean, I, I just really want you to see that picture. It's like you have these roots in God, and as what He is grows and manifests through you as if you are a tree, then the fruit that you bear is spiritual kingdom fruit, whether that be healing, miracles, signs, wonders, a word of knowledge, a word of encouragement, a prophecy. You build a house. You give someone a hug. You build a church in Kenya. You provide clean water wells for people. It's all the same. That is all a fruit of the Spirit. It's just that we like to elevate some above the other because, you know, our insecurities and where we are in our lives, and we think that that's more spiritual than that. No, it's all the fruit of the Spirit being birthed into this dimension. Whether somebody's arm grows back out or whether you bake somebody some cookies, it is the fruit of the Spirit being born through you. And you can do all that. Just don't burn the cookies when you bring them to me. <laughs> Man. Okay. So, Matthew 13. <clears throat> Come on. Okay. I'm going to start in verse 10. <clears throat> so Jesus gives this parable. The sower sows the word. And there's four different conditions here. The, the first one is, the, the parable is there's a farmer casting seed. He casts seed and some falls in a ditch. And birds come and eat it. Some he casts and it falls on stone, so there's no depth of which the root can go into. Some he casts and it falls among thorns, and so the thorns choke it out, and the enemy representatively can come in and, and steal that. The enemy can't get in your heart and take things out of you, but through external circumstances, you can allow that word to be plucked up out of your heart. And then the fourth is good soil, and from the good soil, 30, 60, or 100, is born into your life. Does that make sense? So then the disciples are like, what are you talking about? So verse 10 in Matthew 13. Y'all okay with reading the Bible in church, aren't you? <laughs> and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you. Now, I love this. It has been given to you to know the mysteries. And it's actually singular in the original, it has been given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Man, how many books have you read trying to find the mystery of the kingdom or mysteries of the kingdom? This is it. He's about to tell us the mystery of the kingdom. He says, uh, what's that? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, this is, this, see, this is, where, this is where we should put some offering baskets because depending on how you strongly you feel the anointing <laughs> about this secret that I'm about. So if you sow into this secret while I'm... Right. <clears throat> Some of you were with me for a minute there. All right. So, but to them it has not been given. Now, that's because Jesus was with them and not with them. You don't understand? So, verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given... And he will have abundance, 
but whosoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, this sounds like God is giving more to people who already have and taking away from those who don't have already. Now, Mark 4, I like the way it progresses through this teaching because it puts this idea after the explanation of the parables. And essentially what he's saying, so essentially what he's saying is, to the degree of thought, meditation, and intention you give to the Word of God in yielding to it to bear fruit in your life is the degree that it will bear fruit in your life. And those that have get more. And those that have not, it won't bear fruit in their lives. Even though you're born again, you're righteous, you stand with Christ in, in Christ with the Father, you're as accepted and as righteous as anybody else, but the Word's not bearing fruit in your life because of the condition of your heart. And it's not God giving more or taking away. It's a byproduct of where you are in your heart. So, and, and, and this, it becomes more clear. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and, with their, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. All right. See, if you go back to that picture of the heart, he's talking about spiritual senses. See, we have spiritual senses, just like we have physical five senses. Your heart has the capacity to hear God. You know, it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. I mean, we hear and, and taste and see and touch and feel God. Have you ever smelled God? Some people have, yeah. I smelled this smell one time. It smelled like burning sweet wood. It was really interesting, you know. You look, it's like, is there a fire in here? So you smell cookies? <laughs> so he's talking about what's going on within you, you know? He's not talking about can you discern an external voice? Because that's what we do when we try to hear God. God, what are you saying? Oh, I don't know what you're saying. Oh, wait, there's a bird. Maybe that's God. <laughs> and God will meet you where you are. I'm not, I'm really not trying, I mean, I guess I am making fun of that a little bit, but I'm, I'm not trying to offend you if you do that. But there's a better way. And it is the voice of God in your heart. And it, become, it can become so clear that you become so confident that you don't have to even ask the question, was that you or was that me? Because you are so one with him in your identity that he is you. Yep. Nobody screams, so I think we're all right. <laughs> I'm not saying you're God. You know what I mean. Verse, <clears throat> so verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. So the mystery of the kingdom is about to be described. And I'll just give you the spoiler alert. The mystery of the kingdom is the condition of your heart determines the degree of kingdom fruit that you experience in your life. That is the mystery of the kingdom. And I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out here the way I believe Jesus is laying it out here. 
Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Very, very pivotal and foundational in understanding the kingdom is to understand that the word is sown in your heart. See, there's a gospel awakening on the planet. Praise God for that, man. People are discovering that God is good and only good. People are discovering that there actually is a new covenant and that you can't mix the covenants and you can't try to live by the old covenant. But the missing element, I think, is the understanding of the heart, which is really where we take responsibility to live in the place that we've been placed into with God in this covenant. See, some teach the new covenant from the perspective of you're forgiven, you're loved, and you, everything's cool between you and God. And God may choose to heal you or not heal you. Some take it a little bit further and say, okay, we've got that, so that we've got the presence of God within us and we can go into this world and do miracles and all that. But man, I, I, think, I think a missing component is understanding what's going on in your heart. You know, the more you read this, and, and, and I challenge you, go back and read Mark 4 and Matthew 13 this week from the perspective of he's talking about the heart, that part of you that is connected to spirit and soul, where you believe from, where everything related to life comes out of. This is what he's talking about, the condition of that area, what's going on in your beliefs. So <clears throat> the word is sown in his heart. This is he who received the uh, seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because the word, immediately he stumbles. Have you ever done that? You got really excited about something? Maybe you hear even something taught in here. It's like you're really, really excited about it. Then you go out there and man, work, life happens. And, and then you try to believe maybe something that you've learned and you try to believe the Word of God. It's like, this doesn't work. And you become offended at the Word of God. You become offended at this promise that tells you your life can be better than what you're currently experiencing. Like, God, I don't want to hear that. That hurts too much. I don't, want, I don't want to try to believe that anymore. I am offended that you would promise me that my life could be better because it's not working for me right now. And it's not working for you right now because of the condition of your heart, because it's shallow in some areas, and it's not soil that the Word can really take root in and bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit in your life, it's because your heart is shallow in those areas where you're not experiencing His fruit. But He loves you. You're accepted before Him and His beloved. His blood has cleansed you and made you holy. You are one with Him. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's bigger than your heart, knows how to lead you and guide you through it. And over in John, when Jesus is talking about those who don't bear fruit, that He prunes them or casts them away, it's really crazy because if you look up that word in the original language, it's not cast away as if thrown away. It actually means to be lifted up into. Because he's talking about a vine dresser and the condition of a vine, right? And so the vine dresser that wants a healthy vine doesn't chop the vine off and throw it away. He, he, he stakes it up. He holds it up. He, he, it can't carry its own weight, so he stakes it up. He protects it. He preserves it. He supports it. He bears it up into 
himself is what it says. I got to preach fast. The clock is run is screaming at me back there. So <clears throat> now he who received seed among the thorns is he who he who hears the word and the cares of this world. This is I think this is where we are mostly is thorny hearts. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, sixty, thirtyfold. So the fact that you have fruit on any level in your life is proof that your heart is in a good state of belief and faith toward God. But I think we've got some thorns still wrapped up in there because we allow the deceitfulness of riches. If you worry about money on any capacity, See, the deceitfulness of riches is this. I don't have enough, I'm in trouble. Or, I've got plenty, that's my security. Either way, you're deceived by those riches. If you worry about money, you've got thorns in your heart. And it's time to just meditate on this word until it grows and bears fruit to the degree that you trust God. What a concept. So, now, now, now watch this. So he goes from talking about four different heart conditions to this. Verse 24, And another parable he put forth saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said, Sir, do you, did you not sow seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and, and gather them up? He said, No, lest, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares and bind them into bundles. Burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. Another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, greater than all the herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, until it was all leavened. He says, all right, boys, I'm going to tell you the mystery of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom is this. What's going on in your heart determines the degree of kingdom fruit that you're going to experience. By the way, here's how the kingdom works. Do you see the connection? The mystery of the kingdom is your heart condition. Let's get that straight. Now here's how the kingdom works. It's like a seed that is planted and it's the smallest seed, but it grows, and it bears fruit, and it becomes the largest within the garden. The mystery of the kingdom is what's going on in your heart. You can have as much of the kingdom in this life as you want. And by the way, here's how the kingdom works. A farmer casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and he doesn't know how it works, but it bears fruit after itself. The mystery of the kingdom is where you are in your heart with God determines the degree of the promises that you will experience in this life.
determines the degree of the kingdom that you will experience in this life. And here's how the kingdom works. It's like a lump that yeast is put into. And that thing grows and grows and grows and takes over the whole lump until it takes over the whole mass itself. It's like that rock that was cast at the, at the, at the feet of the image in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that rock that destroyed the powers of this world and became the biggest rock in the, in the world. And its kingdom was untouchable. That's where we are, man. You are planted firmly in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is within you and you can have as much of it to experience in this life as you will allow yourself to. To the degree that you stay with God in your heart. He is your rock. He is your tower. He is your safe place. He is what you take and fill your mind and your heart with to the degree that it produces the emotions and you feel in His truth becomes possible for you. And you can't force that. You can't structure that. You can't legislate that. You can't take it over through carnal means. But it's like the kingdom that bears fruit, that seed that grows and becomes the biggest thing, that leaven that permeates the entire mass. That's, that's where we are. And as we are yielding to that, then this world will change. Then this world will see, oh, this is what it looks like. Look at their love for one another. We want God because of the way you love each other. We want God because you guys as believers have put down your denominational boundaries and come together for our benefit. We want your God. That's where we are. We don't need to look ahead and wait for revival or the Antichrist or any of that stuff, but take responsibility for the kingdom that has been planted within your heart and let it bear fruit. Quit worrying, quit being fearful, quit doubting God, quit wondering what He's saying and realize, man, He's given me everything to grow out of me. I yield to that. Amen.